0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
1: Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. Today, we're joined by two wonderful individuals with the Utah Division of Indian Affairs. Dustin Jansen is the director. Dustin, thank you so much for being here today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: And uh, James Toledo. Now, James, what is your official position within the Utah Division of Indian Affairs? Um, I'm
3: the program manager for the office.
1: Okay, and we're going to be talking about some of the community events as well that are occurring in our state. But first, let's have that broader conversation. Talk to us a little bit about the purpose and the goals of the Utah Division of Indian Affairs here.
2: Well, the Utah Division of Indian Affairs was originally the Commission of State Indian Affairs created back in 1953. And uh, they had a director first put in place in 1956. Uh, The purpose of the Division of Indian Affairs as we we are the Indian Affairs Authority for the state of Utah. We, we serve as a liaison and promote positive intergovernmental relations with and, in, and between Utah Indian tribes. We're also the governor of the federal government and state agencies and local mun- municipalities. And we also coordinate with the governor's office to address Indian Affairs issues, uh, develop policies. Uh, we work with the Native American Legislative Liaison Committee that's made up of representatives in the state legislature to address Indian affairs issues and and develop Indian legislation. And we also work uh, closely with the Native American Remains Review Committee uh, to determine the disposition of human remains found on state and, and school trust lands. What we also do is we we try to help uh, the, the eight federally recognized tribes in, in Utah uh, by monitoring Utah and federal legislation, which impacts Utah Indian tribes and the state of Utah we, we, go, we try our best to develop programs and services and uh, provide alternatives and implement solutions that will allow Indian citizens an opportunity to share in the progress of the state of Utah. I think something that Governor Herbert um, let me know when I was appointed was that, uh, you know, it was his belief that strong and healthy Native communities um, contribute to a strong and healthy state. So we, we follow these, um, these elements and, 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 and this call to provide just that.
1: And even as you describe all those purposes, you can see that there is an, a, a lot um, and a lot of complex issues that affect our tribal nations, whether it be the resources on the land or participation in the decisions about that land and their own uh, homes and uh, societies. We, you mentioned we have eight distinct tribal nations. Can you um, identify those for us?
2: Well, the the eight federally recognized tribal nations in Utah are the Skull Valley Band of Goshute, the Confederate Tribes of the Goshute Reservation, the Northwestern Band of Shoshone, the Ute Tribe, the Paiute Indian Tribes of Utah, the San Juan Southern Paiute, the Navajo Nation, and the Ute Mountain Ute. Tribe has a community called the White Mesa community near Blanding.
1: And the state of Utah covers a broad geographical area. Are the tribal nations concentrated in one region more than another?
2: They're, they're pretty spread out um, outside of the Wasatch Front. Uh, like, like I said, the Mountain Ute community is located just outside Blanding. The Navajo Nation is in San Juan County, San Juan Southern Paiute. Uh, they're headquartered in Tuba City, Arizona, but they have traditional lands here and in southern Utah. The Paiute Indian tribes of Utah are located in Cedar City and probably in the surrounding, two hours around Cedar City. (laughs) Um, The Ute tribe is out towards Fort Duchesne and Vernal. The Northwestern Band, uh, their traditional lands are pretty much from I-80 north into Idaho, but they're currently headquartered in Ogden, Utah. And the Confederate tribes of the Goshen Reservation, they're located at almost – Well, exactly 60 miles south of Wendover, Nevada, um, on the Utah. Well, the reservation goes into Utah and Nevada, and the School Valley Band is just some south of Tula.
1: Mm -hmm. And so as we look at this, you know, I know that as my children attend schools, they begin to learn more and more about the tribal history of Utah and the sacred and ancestral lands that have been there. In your opinion, Dustin, how are we doing as a state, as a community with being able to recognize and involve all of the eight different tribes in the decision making as our state continues to grow and move forward?
2: Well, I think we're getting better. Uh, we can always get better, no matter where we find ourselves. Um, I think the, the Herbert administration and the Cox administration and, um, are doing everything they can to to make sure that if if state action is going to affect uh, tribal uh, tribal governments in any way, they want to make sure that we're speaking with tribal governments. There's a consultation executive order that came out, and and it directs all executive agencies to appoint a tribal liaison and to come up with a consultation process where they can correctly and and how can I say this, uh, more efficiently communicate with tribes. And that's something our office helps with. So if UDOT is building a road, they have a liaison that's, that's there that can contact tribes and say, hey, this is where we're planning on doing a road. Um, you know, we know, understand this is your traditional area. How can we make sure that we, we do this in a way that that's not going to affect um, your tribe, uh, your tribe beliefs, your culture, or or maybe um, your ancestral ground as 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 you see it? And we're doing better. Uh, we're doing a lot better at that. Uh, and we can always do better. And so I think as far as when you brought up your kids in school learning more about tribes, I think we're doing better there, too. Uh, we're, we're trying to... Work with different organizations that want to uh, develop curriculum that teachers can use to give a more accurate um, history of their tribes in Utah, but also um, make sure that they have the, the resources available so that teachers feel comfortable um, providing this information.
1: It's interesting, and I appreciate that. For those who have just joined us, that was uh, Dustin Jansen. He's the director of the Division of Indian Affairs. Uh, it was interesting. I was fortunate enough to moderate a town hall meeting for the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs at the beginning of the year. And we were talking about how during the COVID-19 pandemic, how important it was to reach liaisons in all the different communities, that in particular uh, are communities that are in the minority, that they were Receiving vital life-saving information in a way that could communicate directly with them and more efficiently and effectively. And that throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, they started to change the way that the, the language was presented. It started to try to involve more people, bring more representatives uh, to that table to say, what information is needed? What are you hearing? How can we best help you? And they talked about improving that, that we come up with better solutions in the state, whether we're addressing a public health issue or any other community or societal issue that we come up with a better solution when those who are involved uh, or affected by our decisions and policies are involved in that conversation. So I was thinking that when you brought up the importance of having those liaisons communicating as different organizations and agencies interact with their lands.
2: Absolutely. I mean, this executive order for consultation and having these liaisons has been in place, I think, since 2014. But the pandemic really showed us how important that connection is. I mean, especially if you look at um, the Emergency Management Division or the Utah Department of Health, Indian um, health offices, they were able to connect directly with their tribal counterparts and tribal government, uh, coordinate delivery of, like you said, vital PPE, testing equipment, um, and even worked and with some tribes worked together on getting the vaccines delivered uh, we saw that during that powerful windstorm last year, well, that knocked down tens of thousands of trees throughout Salt Lake. When they were just going to, ch- you know, turn all that wood into chips and and dispose of it, our uh, organizations were able to communicate with state agencies, and these state agencies were able to communicate with tribes and get that wood delivered to ch- tribal communities that needed that may need that wood or use that wood during the winter months that follow. Um, and the pandemic is a, is a horrible thing, but I, I think one of the blessings of it is it really showed us how good communication and, and consultation can, can really save lives and help people.
1: Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that, too. Communication and consultation. And you can't really have good communication without that consultation piece. So I I agree with that. And I appreciate so much. We also have on the line with us James Toledo. He is the program manager within Utah's Division of Indian Affairs. And I wanted to talk with you, James, about let's talk about the importance of sharing cultures from our tribes and sharing that not only within uh, the different Indian populations and cultures, but outside of that as well. So talk to us a little bit about some of the goals of the different programs you've had throughout the year and what might be coming our way, James.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you um, for the question. Um, I think you had kind of touched on it earlier in the conversation when you'd mentioned, you know, with your kids going to school, learning about the different tribes in Utah. So one of our initiatives is to kind of improve that education. I know we get contacted by, um, you know, teachers or other educators, um, usually in the month of November, um, with it being National Native American Heritage Month, um, you know, requesting a a guest speaker or some type of um, program that highlights Native culture within the state of Utah so to kind of address that um request you know we've um have our we host our annual Utah's Indigenous Day is what we've called our event and this event is usually held in the month of November um, and the purpose of, of the event is really to improve education about Utah's tribes. Um, you know, not many people n- realize that um, we do have eight tribes in the state of Utah. I think most people think we have five tribes. And so, you know, again, we just would like to um, highlight the eight tribes and, you know, their contributions um, to to the state. And so this year's event, um, just to kind of do a little shout out for us, is going to be held on um, Friday, November 12th at the utah cultural celebration center in west valley city and so we're currently in the planning process of it but we're planning to do a social powwow and the reason why we wanted to kind of do a social powwow. so social powwow is just a gathering of um, native people where they come together and and really to to dance and to to network to to share stories and really just to connect with one another so it helps us um strengthen our relations with the you know with our family members and and just other native people in general um and so this is you know really a gathering to celebrate our native traditions to help strengthen our cultural ties but we also wanted to take this opportunity to help um you know our non-native um citizens um, throughout the state who are interested in learning more about um you know the tribes in utah or even just you know um Native American um, you know traditions, or m- many people have heard of a powwow, maybe have never attended a powwow and so this gives them an opportunity to kind of bring their family and to learn more about um, these traditions and so um, so we're moving forward with trying to uh, you know planning a social powwow where We'll have some education um, involved, where we'll have you know some of the dancers maybe talk about the different dances that they're um, that that they're dancing and kind of the origins of those dances, the significance, how they started, why why they decided to you know to dance. Um, You know, we'll have a live drum group, Um, and so really it's it's going to be an evening of um, fun and um, just learning and mingling. We'll have some vendor areas as well, where we'll have some cultural um, vendors. So if people were wanting to Get jewelry or things like that, you know, we'll, we'll make those opportunities there. And also an opportunity for our, um, for our supporters or people who've partnered with us um, t- with different organizations, an opportunity just to share more about programs that they're offering and, you know, um, kind of just Again, community sharing of information.
1: So it's referred to, and and I appreciate so much the James's in this information because to me it sounds like an extraordinary event, and and I had mentioned yes, children in schools uh, are are learning and they're learning more about our our state's tribal history, our country's tribal histories, but we just don't want it to be a section in school and then we move on. In my opinion, as we try to be a state that celebrates all within our communities. It is something that we would want all of us adults to also be educated in and apprised in and supportive of. So the social powwow is one that anyone who's interested, whether or not they have Native American ancestry, is invited to attend. Is, is that right?
3: Absolutely. And so yeah, so this event is is open and will be free to the public. And and again, really the purpose of the event is to to educate. Um, you know, both our native and non native, because there's even, you know, native youth who live along the Wasatch front who may have never lived on a reservation, um and you know, may have minimal knowledge of their, their culture and their traditions. And so this is an opportunity to expose them to that and also to our you know our non-native neighbors you know to say, "Hey, you know this is who we are, if you're interested in learning more about our traditions and you know wanting to you know explore that you know is this is an event and an opportunity um and a safe space to 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 learn and educate themselves
1: and will we have representatives of all eight tribes at the social powwow ideally?
3: Um, ideally, we, we would like to do that. Um, again, we're still in the planning stages. So, um, you know, we hope to have representation from all eight tribes, um, we will have the flags for all eight tribes there. And so they will be part of the program. Um, but, you know, we will work to, you know, get representatives from from each of the eight tribes.
1: I wanted to follow up and, and I can only draw on my own personal history as a, a daughter of, of Mexican American and indigenous uh, ancestry. And my mother uh, often talked about what it was like for her to straddle two cultures, you know, her own Mexican Indian uh, culture and her American culture and about how, you know, just one skip of a generation so much gets lost whether it be cultural stories or language. And with that, uh, there can be a sense of identity. Who, I, who am I? I wanted to ask you, James, and, and Dustin as well, but first, James, how important is it for uh, youth and, and adults and children in particular to have that idea of knowing and respecting and being able to hold on to their Native traditions? I think
3: it's important, um, just in the sense that it's part of our, our identity. Um, it, it gives us strength. It helps us, um, you know, navigate life. Life is always going to throw obstacles and challenges at us. And I I believe when we have our youth have knowledge, even if it's a basic knowledge of who they are and, and where they come from, you know, that, that gives us all strength to, to continue to move forward. It, you know, helps us to be resilient as, as we move through life. And, um, and Dustin,
2: um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, I agree with everything you said, James. And and you know, I I think we we have to just come to terms with the fact that there are a lot of native people um, that are probably in the urban areas that don't get that opportunity. I mean, we got to look at our, our our native history also. You know, there were uh, generations of native people who were sent to boarding schools uh, during the school year, and some stayed year round and. And when those traditional teachings and cultural lessons are being taught during the winter times, they weren't at home, right? They were they were in schools, sometimes hundreds and thousands of miles away from their from their from their reservations, from their traditional lands, and and so when they came back, they they missed a lot of that cultural teaching. They may not have had the opportunity to practice their language, right? And to and have that language evolve to include new new inventions and, and, and new concepts. And then we expect these parents, these Native parents who have, you know, we're told that they cannot speak their language to teach their children their language, to teach their children the culture, when they themselves have, you know, been denied that, you know, by legal means even, you know, where, where laws are passed to prohibit that instruction. And so, you know, we're trying to, we recognize that and we're trying to provide opportunities for everyone to learn more and grow together and I, I commend all the tribes in in utah all eight tribes that that provide language instruction that that keep their cultures alive that keep their spiritual beliefs alive and and pass those things on to younger generations because like james said you know if if you don't understand where you come from it's under it's hard to understand who you are and and what you can become and so that traditional uh, cultural um Education is is so vital, and I think that this is something that the state and tribes can work together on to make sure that it continues to go forward.
1: Wow, that is really heartbreaking and important part of history to remember. I I do know that my Native American great uncles were uh, swept up in boarding schools and uh, had to leave their family and uh, go across the country as well, and uh, we're still trying to parse together some of that family history that is missing. And so, what time period did this occur? Was it the turn of the century, or about when did the U.S. government take Native American children away from their homes and send them off to schools and other places?
2: Well, for 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 Native American children in mm-hmm. um, here in the United States, the boarding school experience started and, and began in the early 1860s. Wow. And so that it, you know, it it was. They were sending kids from, you know, from Arizona, all the way to Pennsylvania, uh, to to go to school thousands of miles away, you know, by train to prohibit them from running away, uh, to prohibit parents from being close by. That where the government thought you're inhibiting your child's um, education and assimilation into American culture. Uh, and so these these are drastic steps that were that were being taken and. And it really put a, you know, a wrench in the gears of of learning culture and language.
1: And for those who have just joined us, this is Dustin Jansen. He's the director of the Division of Indian Affairs here in Utah. We're also joined by James Toledo, the program manager. We have about five minutes uh, together. For those who come from um, tribal ancestry, if they would like more information about how to learn the native languages, the the traditions, where is the best place for them to go to access that, Dustin?
2: I think if you know your, your culture and your tribal affiliation, the best place to go would be contacting your tribal government. Uh, I, it's really important to understand that tribes, although are an ethnic minority within the United States, they are also sovereign nations. And these sovereign nations have governments and they have resources that will provide that information to you. Um, I would encourage all those to start attending Native American events. Um, not only within the communities that you may you may be born into and involved in, but look for intertribal events, uh, events where many tribes get together and celebrate to one, one, with one another. Uh, powwows um, are a great resource. Uh, if you look online, almost every tribe has a has a website up, and they have resources there to, to help you. But really, I, I think one of the easiest things to do is 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 find native people around you talk to them be a friend and and learn from one another and i think that's one of the greatest things you can do you can contact our our office you know by telephone or you can find our website and and look for the resources that we have available and we it's our job you know to to point you in the right direction and put you in contact with people that that can help james
3: yeah, no, I, I I like how you mentioned. I I, I would agree um, that the best way to learn more about you know your cultural traditions is if you know your tribal affiliation is to contact your your tribal government um, because they you know many tribes have language preservation programs and and other educational opportunities available um, to learn more about um, about you know their specific tribe and, and your cultural traditions.
1: And James, you also mentioned the social powwow that is coming up. Can you give us the date again and where we can find more information about that event and any other future events that um, the Utah Division of Indian Affairs is holding?
3: Absolutely, yeah. So we're planning our annual Utah's Indigenous Day event on um, Friday, November 12th. It will be at the um, Utah Cultural Celebration Center in West Valley City, and um, it'll be an evening event, so probably around five from five to nine o'clock. And so we'll be having a social powwow again, just a gathering to celebrate our native traditions and an effort to strengthen our cultural ties.
1: All right. I appreciate that so much. Uh, James Toledo, the program manager of the Utah Division of Indian Affairs, Dustin Jansen, the director of the division. Thank you for taking time to begin the conversation for us to understand more about the importance of the Utah Division of Indian Affairs, the importance of our tribal history, the importance of preserving Culture and language and incorporating it more, not only in our schools, but in our lives and in our communities. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum.
2: Thank you for having us.
1: A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence
0: is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one.